Hello and welcome to the Harvest Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We are honored that you would click on this and listen to God's Word preached by one of our elders. At the same time, we strongly affirm the biblical mandate for Christians to be a faithfully active and in-person part of their local church. This sermon cannot and will not replace what a local church can provide to the life of a Christian. That being said, we hope that this sermon challenges and encourages you in your faith and that it builds upon the faithful ministry of your local church. We hope that you enjoy. God bless. Hey, do you believe that Jesus is great power and miraculous power? Yes, we believe that. We have faith in that. Do you think those miracles are real? Yes, we do believe they're real. But did they have saving faith and belief? John's clear. No, they did not. You know, there are different elements um, that make up true biblical faith. And one of them is, yes, you have to assent. You have to know some things. There are some things about the Christian gospel that you have to know before you can become a Christian. There are some essential things that you have to know. Who God is. Who you are. What sin is. Right? What Jesus came to do, his death, burial, and resurrection. And you have to know that these things, you have to know this body of truth. So that's one thing you have to know about it. But then you also have to assent that it's real, that it's not fiction, that it actually happened, that in space, in time, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born of a virgin, walked this same earth, lived a perfect life, lived under the law, died. Uh, took the wrath of God, and was buried, and three days later, come again. You have to say, yeah, I believe that, and I believe it really happened. I know it, and I believe it's really happened. But friend, that doesn't save you there. You can believe that it really happened. And the only thing that really does is qualify you to be a demon. You know what James says? James says even the demons believe and tremble. So friends, just having knowledge... And believing in its authenticity and its reality does not make you a Christian. Yes, that you must do those things. That must be part of the faith, but that's not enough. What was their kind of faith? Well, their kind of faith was that which was centered on the blessings. It was centered on the, on the miracles of Jesus. It was centered on the signs. It was, it was centered on the entertainment. It was self-focused. Oh, if Jesus will get all this going, man, we'll be cooler. We'll be better. Our fame will grow. They went for the entertainment, for the show, for the signs. Their faith is not centered on Christ. It's centered on his signs. It's centered around what's going around Jesus, what's happening around Jesus, but not Jesus himself. Let me make the point in our modern day. If you ask most people, and I hope not you, but if you ask most people today why they go to the church they go to, what will they say? Because I like the music. You know it's true. Because I like the music. Now, what's that saying? I I don't know how many. Just to give you an instance, there's people who are not at our church now because we don't have a choir. We don't have a choir. I was at, I mean, hey, when are you going to get a choir? When are you going to get a choir? When are you going to get a choir? Oh, oh. Why, why are you, I don't know if we're going to ever have a choir. Maybe one day if we can do it good. I don't know. But I, they're not here because we don't have a choir. What were they looking for in church? They were looking for entertainment. 
They were looking for a certain style preference. They were looking for a certain kind of music. And friend, that's why most people go to the church they go to. It's because they like the show. They like what's going around Jesus. Just so you know here at Harvest, our, our heart behind the reason, the way we want to do music and the way we do music is we believe in congregational singing. We believe that we've come here not to entertain people. We've not come to give people what they want. We've come to worship God. We've come to try our very best, though we be good, bad, or ugly at it, to try to help people worship and sing to the Lord. And if you said, I didn't really get anything out of that, that's because it wasn't for you. It was for God. It was for God. Come to worship the Lord. And so we try to promote with anything we do in music, congregational singing. So we believe the choir's the people in the pews. And, we're, and, and this is not um, a show up here. This is not a platform, a stage. Friend, we're, we're singing to the Lord. We're worshiping in His presence with the holy angels, Hebrews 12 says. But so much of church today is built around pragmatism. It's built around self. It's really built around sinful people and what they like. Um, Pastor Alex's favorite church, I'm sure he would go to it if it was close enough, is Church at the Glades. Just giving him a hard time. You should look that one up. It's in Florida. And for um, Sunday, uh, last, uh, last Sunday, they had a sermon on the Adams family. They had pictures of the Adams family. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, and the whole thing was centered on the Adams family. There was a church very nearby just last year, a year before that, just had all of December was, uh, every Sunday was a different Christmas movie that the sermon was based on, that the song, all of it, a different, you know, Christmas vacation. And I like Christmas vacation as much as the next person, I promise you. But God will, we will never have a service based on Christmas vacation, right? Uh, but I, that's, why do people do stuff like that in church? Because sinners like it. People who aren't Christians like it, and that may get them to church, and they rationalize it. Well, if it'll get them here, and it'll get somebody saved, we'll do it. Well, I, I want to say this. I want to affirm the heart behind that, that people are willing to do whatever it takes for people to hear the gospel. And I want to say that's a, that's a great heart. Thank the Lord for the heart you have for that, and, and truthfully, really. But I want to say it's misguided in this way. In just a practical kind of way, what you, what you uh, um, draw people with is what you draw them to. If you draw them to a giveaway, you know what we'll, we'll, you're drawing them to? You're drawing them to a giveaway. And the minute you quit having giveaways, the minute they quit coming. Right? These kind of people, they come for the what? They come for the signs. They come for the miracles. And the minute that Jesus quit doing the miracles and he actually did what he came to do, which was die on the cross, what did all they all do? They all left. And friend, people who go to church for the music, and when the music stops being whatever they want it to be, guess what they do? They leave. Why? Because they were there for everything going around Jesus. They weren't there for Jesus. And by the way, what you win them with is what you keep them with. What you win them with is what you win them to. That's why we, in one sense, harvest was in a real way birthed with, in my mind and thought with a heart that that is so prevalent. And what I believe is hurting so many churches today, and it can even hurt ourselves if we're not careful, is that 
We can, be, we can build so much around man and so much around what sinful people want that when we turn around and blink, we really don't have the real thing left at all. Yeah, we can say we're believing and we're believing in Jesus. But what does Jesus say about that? But you know, if we're not careful, this kind of faith that is centered on ourself and not on Christ can take another form. It can take the form of knowledge. It, it can take the form of uh, knowledge that puffs up. Um, for, for instance, um, it, it, if we're not careful, we can know Wayne Grudem so well, his systematic theology, but yet not be any closer to Jesus. Uh, no matter what kind of flowers you like, be daisies or tulips, you can go from smelling daisies to tulips or from tulips to daisies and not love Jesus anymore. You can just change a formula of how you think salvation works and not love Jesus any of the more or understand him any of the more. You, you can start saying, well, I'm justified and sanctified and glorified and this is how this all plays out and this is this how all this works. And you can miss the last song that we just sung. That all of that is in Christ alone. And if you're not careful, you, you'll miss it altogether no matter how much you know. You'll miss that it's in Christ. That the only way anybody's ever saved is in Christ. The only way anybody will ever be sanctified is in Christ. The only way anybody will ever make it to heaven and be glorified for eternity will be in Christ. And that's what's so glorious about the gospel and so simple about the gospel. That somebody who has just the least amount of faith. But if that least amount of faith is in Christ, in the person of Christ, it doesn't matter how much faith they have. It's in the object of their faith. And see, these people, if not careful, it can be our faith. It can be centered around all the other things that go around Christ, but not Christ himself. We can focus so much on the benefits of being a Christian that we're not focused on Christ. And that's where it all is. It's all in Christ. We have a lot of people who have faith. And I've heard so many comments like this around church in the last 20 years. Well, if this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens there, then I'm gone. If this happens, then I'll do this. You ever heard some of that statement? Maybe you made some statements like that. And, and maybe about church, that's a different thing. But do you make statements like that about Jesus? Well, if God, if, you let, if this ever happens in my life, I'm done with you. Well, God, if this ever takes place, I'm, I'm out. If you ever let this happen in my life, I'm, I'm done. If, then this. If you do this, God, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm out. That's not biblical faith, friend. What about Daniel? Do you remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? They come to Daniel, uh, me and Watson, he's got the, the book, I, I think Miss News may have got it for him. And it's about Daniel's in the lion den. And I, I remember we read that book, I think we'll probably read it once a week. But I should know the story better than I do then. Uh, but he, he comes right in there, he's told, and you, you can't pray to Nebuchadnezzar, they make the law, you have to pray to him. And he goes, I, I'm, I'll pray to God only, I'm not praying to this man. And so he's called praying, so they're going to they're gonna throw him in the lion's den. And, and he says, you know, I don't care. <laughs> Whether he do or you don't. If God saves me, great. But even if he don't save me, I will praise him. Even if he don't. Biblical faith is, even if God doesn't, I believe in him. It's in him, not what he does for me. It's in him. That's biblical 
faith. It's the faith of Mary in chapter 2. What a what, Do you remember the, the, just a couple weeks ago we were talking about the wedding in Galilee and they run out of wine and Mary, hey Jesus, they run out of wine. Hey, this is a great opportunity Jesus show you. This is, yeah. And Jesus goes, what are you bothering me for, woman? That's kind of weird. It was weird. What It was like out of place. Did Mary go, well, if you're going to talk to me like that, son, then I'm done with you. That ain't what she said. Was it? She said, Whatever this guy says, do. Speaking of Jesus, do it. I don't really know why he's acting like that right now, but I know him. Trust him. Do what he says. That's biblical faith. Biblical faith is centered in Christ, and even this passage is centered in Christ, isn't it? This, even these people's, Jesus rejecting these people, really the point of the passage in one sense is that Jesus knows them. Jesus knows all things. This is another way of John again saying Jesus is God. If you just trace the theme so far of John's gospel, John chapter 1, Jesus is the creator. All things were made through him. He is the light of the world. Watson started singing a song this morning about Jesus being the light of the world. I don't know where he learned that. Probably school, but Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist says about Jesus. And then at the end of chapter 1, he is the ladder. He's the ladder between heaven and earth, we saw. And, and then he's the bridegroom in chapter 1 where he turns water. The true bridegroom is Jesus. And then we saw in, last week that Jesus is the temple. The, all the temple pointed to Jesus. Jesus is our holy place. You know, you see all that's going on in Israel today, and I, I think, oh, don't destroy Jerusalem. Don't destroy the, the stuff. And, and, but you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's not a holy place. Jesus is the holy place. He is our temple. All of that points to him. And they cannot destroy him because he's not here. He's at the right hand of the Father. It's all about who he is. And here's what he's saying. What do they say about Jesus? Jesus knows all things. Jesus knows all things about all people. What's one of the great needs every person really has? It's to be known, isn't it? Yeah, people want to just be known. Want to be heard. Why do you think social media is... Do you ever read... I know you do. I, you ain't got to amen this without knowing it's true. You get on Facebook and you think, why do people put that on there? Don't nobody want to hear that. Don't nobody care about that. You know? <laughs> why, why did anybody need to know that you were going to McDonald's tonight? You know? Thank you for wasting my minute. You know? like why, Who needs to know all this about you? Why do they do that? Why do I do that? Because we just want to be known, don't we? We just want to be heard. But here's the truth. Jesus knows you. And not just what you put on social media. It's all, you put on there what you want people to see and hear, don't you? Of course we do. You wouldn't want to really put anything on there. And I give kudos to people that actually do are honest there. And, and honest in real life because here's what we need to know. There, you are really known. And, and in somewhat, that's amazing, isn't it? But if you're really truthful, that's also scary. There's nothing you can hide from him. Do you have a biblical faith or not? I don't know, but I can tell you who do, does know. It's Jesus. He knows your heart. He knows what's inside of every one of us. What we try to hide from one another, we cannot hide from him. He knows. He's God. And biblical faith is centered on him. He knows. He knows it all. And biblical faith is about getting into him. All the great songs that are about true biblical faith are getting into Christ. It's about the rock of ages. 
you know, um, <laughs> what, is, what does Jesus do here? It says, why did he not entrust himself? Because he knew all people. Verse 25, he didn't need anyone to bear witness about man, for he knew what was where? In man. He knows what is in us. Man, if anything slaps Oprah Winfrey's philosophy and religion in the face, it's that verse right there. In a day and time that says, you can find the answers if you'll just look inside. Ooh, parents, how many times? Just follow your heart. What's the Bible say about your heart? It's desperately wicked above all things. And Oprah say, if you, you, just, you just meditate a little bit and look deep inside there, you'll not find it. I heard it one time, it's true. When I start looking down deep, it's like scuba diving in a septic tank. I know, I, and here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you might not think it's bad in there, but I look in there and I see it and I don't trust what's in you. And neither should you trust what's in you. And I think maybe that's why some of us have a little bit of a hard time when people say, just accept Jesus into your heart. Like, all you need is just a little bit of Jesus in there. When the problem is, what it, the problem is your heart. The problem is what is in here. That's the problem. The, the, really, the gospel, what the gospel says to do the response of biblical faith is not let Jesus in your heart. It's get out of yourself. Get away from yourself and get into Christ. You have to fully get into Christ and out of yourself. That's biblical faith. Biblical faith says, I'm broken. There's nothing in me that a little bit of a, a dab won't do it. I am broken and dead and wretched and nothing is going to fix this except a new life. He's the only one that can give that. And that new life's not going to come from in here. It's going to come in Christ. That's biblical faith. It's centered on Christ and it's into Christ. Second point. Christ rejects the sort of faith that takes him partially. Say that again. First point was that Christ rejects the faith that's not centered on him. Secondly, and that kind of faith would be centered on us. We're centered on the benefits of Christ. Second point, Christ rejects the sort of faith that takes him partially. That takes him partially. I'm just going to be very honest. I don't know how to spell partially. So if anybody does, help me out afterwards. I, I, I meant to Google it, but I didn't. So if you, you know how to spell it, somebody help me out. But I knew how to, I think I'm saying it right. Partially. Okay. Not wholly. Okay. That's what this kind of faith is also. It's kind of faith that Christ is rejecting. Look in chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This kind of sign faith, this kind of self-centered faith, is also the kind of faith that says, you know, Jesus, you're a good teacher. You must be a good teacher. You must be from God because nobody can do the things you do unless God is with him. That's what Nicodemus says. And how does Jesus reply? Well, we're going to get more into it next week, but you know how he replies. Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even see it. You don't have no idea what you're talking about, Nicodemus. <clears throat> I was uh, with my kids. Um, and they're doing this worksheet, and it only has two answers in this math equation. It, it, every answer only has, and it gives you, it's either this one or this one. And I don't know how many of them will come up to me and go, you know, hey, I keep getting this answer, but it's not one of these options. I said, kindly, try again. The answer is one of those options. Try again. 
I, I'm telling you, I did it, and it's, that's, the answer's not there. Try it again. You got it wrong. The answer is one of these two options. You're picking an option that's not a possibility. It's not there. That's what Nicodemus is doing here. Jesus, we know you're a good teacher. Friend, that's not an option when it comes to Jesus. When it comes to putting faith in Jesus, Jesus being a good teacher is not an option. Jehovah's Witness want to say he's a, he's a, he's a great prophet. He, 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 is, he is from God. He did great things. The Muslims want to say Jesus is a prophet of God. He's a great teacher. The Mormons want to say that, yeah. But friends, that might be all well and good, but that's not an option when it comes to responding to the gospel. Jesus being a good teacher, a good prophet, or a prophet, or just being from God, is not. here's the two options. He is Lord, creator, sustainer, and the authority in your life, or he's not. Either you accept him as Lord of all and everything in your life, and as Savior, or you reject him right out. There's no middle ground with Jesus. There's no, well, you know what? I think I'd like to have my sins forgiven, um, and I think I would like to take... Um, I'd really like some of the miracle stuff, you know, like I, I really like some of, um, some of the prayers being answered. I really got some money issues. I really got some family. I'll take all those things and I'll say I'm a Christian. Jesus is not a cafeteria line where you can go in and say, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. It, it's almost like the parable of, I've heard one time of the person um, saying, or, or the woman who married this man, they'd been dating, and they got married, and after the wedding, the uh, woman said, all right, I'm going back to my parents' house tonight. Wait a minute, it's our wedding night. I I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Well, she goes home and calls in her new husband tomorrow and says, hey, having a good day? All right, see you later, bye. And, and just keeps on living life like that. Yeah, I want you to be my husband, but I don't want my life to change. That's not how this works, is it? That's not how marriage works. Friend, that's not how Christianity, that's not how biblical faith works either. But that's how so many people treat it. They want to take Jesus partially. They want to say, yeah, I like, I like Jesus. Like, I like all the stuff going with Jesus. Like, I like to answer prayers. I like, some of, I like my sins being forgiven. I like going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I like going to heaven. Hey, anybody that wants to be saved, come throw your stick up here. You know, I don't, if you don't want to go to hell, raise your hand. I, you know, that kind of thing. That's not biblical faith. You cannot take just a little bit of Jesus. And that's what these people were doing. They were coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, we want you to be king of all of Israel. We want you to be king of all of, all of the world, but not king of our world. We want you to conquer the Romans, but we don't want you to conquer the sin in our life. See, friend, biblical faith takes Jesus as he truly is. That's why I think this statement is pretty powerful. B.B. Warfield said this, It is not faith in Christ that saves. It is Christ who saves through faith. There's a whole realm of American Christianity today that says, if you will just believe in Christ, if you'll just have faith in him, you know, and just, just somewhat assent to the facts of the gospel, your sins are forgiven, you're good to go. Friend, that's half the truth, not the whole truth. The whole truth in the message of the Bible is repent and believe. Because the one who is calling you is the creator of the world. He's the one who created you, and he is the savior of the world. He is the one who has all authority on heaven and earth. And if you're going to know him, you must bow the knee to him. 
Jesus said, if you will, if you want to find your life, you'll lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you will find it. There's a whole world, whole sector of Christianity today in America saying it's everywhere that you can have this. Jesus can be your savior, but not be your Lord. Friend, it is Christ who saves. And the true Christ is Lord and Savior. And if you don't bow the knee to him, friend, you don't know him at all. Don't know him at all. He is either Lord of all in your life or he is not Lord at all. To know him is to know him on a bended knee. Saving faith takes him as he is. The Lord, the creator, the recreator, the savior, the bridegroom, the temple. But you see, saving faith, and before I was a Christian, well, I didn't understand that. I would hear something like that, and I would think, God, that sounds terrible. (laughs) It sounds terrible to have to repent. I don't want to do that. But you see, biblical faith, when somebody's been born again, they see the glory of Christ. And I I didn't see it until I experienced it. Biblical faith sees the glory of Christ and loves Christ. Maria said something in Sunday school I thought that was profound, and I didn't know how to get it in, but when she said it, I was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. She said, when it comes to, we're talking about interpreting the Bible, that it's something that you have to love. Biblical faith loves Christ. It loves Him. It loves His glory. It sees how glorious He is. And, and it, it, as Jesus tells the parable, the kingdom of God is like a man who sold the whole field that he had just to buy that one treasure. Friend, the biblical faith sees Jesus as the treasure and sees him as he truly is, which is glorious, all-knowing, all-compassionate. That's biblical faith. And the question is, do you have it? Do I have it? And why is it at times that I try to get away from Christ, even in my Christian walk, and try to get into something else other than abiding in Him? I wonder if you'd ask yourself that question. What areas of your life do you try to accomplish in the Christian life without abiding in Him? The year was 155 A.D., In the Colosseums in Rome, in the morning times during the holiday season, the wild animals would be let loose, and people would hunt the wild animals there in the Colosseum as people would watch, and it was a form of entertainment. And then they would let the minor gladiators come out, and then they would fight. And then the main event, which were the well, uh, more well-known gladiators, would come last in the evening, but before they would come on, they would bring out those who had been disloyal to Caesar those who had been rebellious in some way. They'd be given a chance to repent or to change their mind. And if not, they would be killed in front of everybody to make an example of. Polycarp, who was uh, a man who actually met the Apostle John, who wrote this, this book, this gospel, and sat under him from other time. And we have historical writings actually to the church in uh, Philippi in Ephesus. He was in his uh, upper 80s, and he was caught not paying tribute to Caesar. It, it was made known that everyone had to, in the Roman Empire, had to at some point pay homage to Caesar. And you had to say, Caesar is Lord. Sirius is Curios. Polycarp said, I can't do that. I'll pray for Caesar. 
I will pay my taxes to Caesar, but I will not pray to Caesar. I will not worship him, for only Christ is Lord. Well, this day in 155 AD, that landed him in that arena. He was given the opportunity, if you'll recant, if you will say, Caesar is Lord, we'll let you live. His response, Christ has been so good to me. I love him. He's glorious. How could I turn away from him? For only Christ is Lord. I will never say that Caesar is Lord. They stabbed him, then they threw him into a fire. That's biblical faith, isn't it? Is that the kind of faith we find in ourselves? You can say, maybe I don't have the kind of faith that I would die for. That's not really what I'm asking. Is your faith centered in Christ, who he truly is, all of who he truly is? Not in some of who he is, not in some of the things he offers, but the whole Christian life, which is to turn, to give up yourself, give your life to him. Is that your Christian experience? If not, then you're missing out somewhere. Maybe, maybe you are a Christian, and somewhere down the line you've, you've turned certain parts of your life back away from him need to be reminded what biblical faith is this morning. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Father, thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Baptist Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website, harvestbc.church. If you would like to contact us, please email us at contact.harvestbc at gmail.com or you can call us at 706-780-2211. If you are looking for a church home or visiting the North Georgia area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 9.30 in the Fellowship Hall for breakfast and Sunday school and then at 11 a.m. for our Lord's Day worship service. We hope that you have a great week. God bless.